Hello everyone, and welcome back to Return to the Realm, a rereaders podcast for the Realm of the Elden Ring series by Robin Hobb. I'm Caillou, here with Alex and Leah, and today we're going to be going over the final chapters of Ship of Magic, the first book in the Lifeship Traders trilogy. Um, and this is a rereaders podcast, so that does mean that there are spoilers for not only this trilogy, but also all books in the Realm of the Elden Ring series. So if you don't want spoilers slash want to finish the books yourself, uh, do that and then come back. Um, especially since this is the last episode of this book, so I think there's going to be lots of speculation for yes. uh, the next one. I say speculation because we like we've read the book before, but also like if you've watched any of our previous episodes, it's pretty clear, clear that we don't remember all the exact <laughs> details. So <laughs> yeah. we're sort of we're sort of putting it together as we go as well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's just hop into the first chapter here, which is chapter 33, uh, Day of Reckoning. So this chapter follows directly from the previous one, where uh, the slaves stage a revolt and Kenneth catches sight of Vivacia and is like, we're going to take it over, take that live ship over. Um, and this chapter c continues Winter's perspective as he tries to save Vivacia during the chaos of the storm plus the slave uprising. And also there's a Malta scene in there, I guess. Um, My only note for this chapter is just a celebration that Torg is dead. Yeah, I was very pleased with that. Yeah. That was nice. Honestly, and it was such a nice, nice way for him to die. Like he was like, he was like, yeah, you're gonna, I, I may be captured, boy, but you need me still. And Winter's like, actually, no, I, I'd be better off dead. Yep. And then they just haul him over. They're like, okay. <laughs> it's like Wintro, choose your words carefully. Yep. And Winter's like, I didn't me, I didn't say that he should die. And it's like, no, you actually, you you totally said that. <laughs> he doesn't. He literally say like, I'd sooner kill him than trust him. Yes. And, yeah. And then they're like, okay, and just launch him over the side. Of and, and then like right afterwards, Winter's like, just because I said that I that I don't trust him, they killed him. And it's like, no, Wintro, you you didn't just say that. Right. You got detailed with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, also, I love, like, how right before that, it's, like, he, he talks about, like, his tattoo itching, just as, like, a reminder, like, no, actually. Mm -hmm. You're a terrible I human being. Mm -hmm. yep. Saw's mercy only goes so far. You guys think that Saw Adar is, is or was actually a priest or lying to try to get Wintro on his side? He didn't know that Wintro was a priest, or, like, was training to be a priest well, either. Well, he, he, I think he guessed it, right? Because, like, in the previous thing, he's like, you know your whatever well, and, like, they, like, finish each other's, like, prayer sentence or something. Yeah, and when doesn't Wintro say I was training to become a priest? Maybe I think after... After Sa'adar says that? Yeah. And um, I think, that, like, it's kind of fitting that Sa'adar is actually a priest because it shows that there's corruption in the religion like even there and it like shows Wintro that just because 
someone says that they like serve saw doesn't mean that they actually do. And so there are different ways of like serving saw so he can find his place in the world and not worry that like he's doing something wrong because even the people who claim to be like closest to saw are can become so corrupt. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But yeah, there's, like, so much... It's so annoying because, like, I didn't catch this on the first read, but, like, this whole event is just, like, such a step backwards for, like, Wintrow and Vivacious characters. Like, mm-hmm. Wintrow is, like... You know, it, it... From the moment Sada had thrown the lantern at Gantry, it had been out of Wintrow's hands. And it's like, no, Wintrow, you have agency. Stop believing that you don't. And then he's like, what could one boy do to stop this once the torrent of hatred had broken loose? And and like, he's like, I wonder if Gantry felt the same way. And it's like, yeah, like Gantry literally says the same thing of like, what can one man do to stop like slavery? And it's like, right. Well, if every one man is thinking this, but not acting. Yeah, they need someone to start it. Mm-hmm. Well, and then Wintro does go on to single handedly, like basically stop the carnage because he goes to Vivation. He's like, she will kill everybody. Like, stop. And they stop, and then he does the whole thing with Kenneth of, like, grabbing him and threatening him to, like, Wintro single-handedly manipulates the situation so that he can try to save the people that are left and himself. I completely forgot that Wintro pulls such a badass move. Like, he just grabbed Kenneth, and I was like, okay. That's such, like, an un-Wintro thing. I know! Like, that's something yeah. fits with you. For sure. I'm honestly glad Kyle wasn't there to see it, because you know Kyle would have been like, finally, you're the son that I wanted you to be. Yeah. So mm-hmm. annoying. Which, like, speaking of, I there's, like, an exchange between Kyle and Winter in this chapter that I love, where, like, Kyle is like, this is what it took for you to find your manhood? And Wintrow's like, it was never lost. You simply couldn't recognize it because I wasn't you. I wasn't big and strong and harsh. I was me. And that hit me. I, I love that. I love, I think in a chapter where Wintrow takes so many character steps back, this one moment was pretty, pretty neat to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it also highlights, like, how much there's a fundamental like disconnect it's like how we were talking about in the last trilogy how like it's could never reason with regal because regal thinks about the world in such a different way and is convinced that everybody thinks about the world that way that's like winter on kyle too like they'll never understand each other because kyle does everything out of spite or greed and he can't and that everyone else does as well yeah like he can't wrap his head around the fact that Wintro isn't like that and doesn't have that motivation. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, I guess, like, just to finish off my I wish this didn't happen to Wintro character arc-wise, it's like, it sucks that the storm forces Wintro and Vivacia back together after Vivacia was like, I'm going to self-actualize and you should find your place in life. 
mm-hmm. and they're immediately brought back together into their sort of like codependent relationship which like i didn't i the first time i i read this i was like oh it's so nice they're there for each other but then it's like on a reread i'm like oh they're back to being there for each other yeah but also bolt is really scary so bolt is scary as fuck yeah like i wonder if they hadn't been kind of forced back together if bolt would have come out sooner for sure there's no doubt in my mind that she would have come out a lot there's there's stuff in chapter 35 where like uh vivacia acts like particularly vicious all of a sudden and winter's like the she like he describes her as going from something to being like matriarchal and i was like yeah, it's like a scared child from like to um like a strong matriarch yep. yeah and i was like hmm so bolt was a she who remembers right I don't know because I think that I think that all live ships smell like like ones who remember because they were dragons and dragons Uh, are the ones who like had the memories and passed them down okay that makes sense it's not just specifically like because Bolt was a dragon anyways Mm -hmm. or was going to be a dragon and then was Right. I think it's okay. just that, like, yeah, like, no live ships ever go as far as serpents are. Or, like, where the serpents... Because the serpents frequent places where there are slavers. And yeah. the live ships emphatically don't like that. So. Right. <coughs> also, I didn't like clock this on the first read of this chapter but this is the last scene of malta we get in this book and it's basically just i don't want to marry rain um the end (laughs) which like honestly the way that it's set up for her pretty fair yeah i remember when i was reading this being like nervous for her because I was like, he's so much older than her, and she doesn't know anything about him, and she's still a kid, and she's being, like, such a brat, but she does not understand what the stakes are at all. Mm-hmm. And it was really annoying when Ronica's like, I think you understand more than you do, and it's like, well, I guess kind of, but that doesn't mean she understands the important things that are at play here. Yeah. Right. I... The one thing that I noticed about it was she was so eager to, like, be presented as a woman and start courting people because that was the, like, thing that she wants is to, like, court and be courted. But now when she's presented with the opportunity to be courted by someone, she is immediately like, actually, no, I don't want this. Yeah. Because she... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, she really only wants it with Sirwin Trell. I think that she likes the idea of courting and the, like, kind of game and play back and forth more than she would like the actuality of it. Like, she's one of those people who has this, like, dream vision of everything and, like, how people will be. Exactly like Kefria. Like, how she had that dream idea of Kyle and then 
like her bubble popped and she realized that Kyle wasn't actually at all like that. She had just made him up like that in her mind. That's kind of what Malta's idea of courting is, I think. Yeah, I think it's also because earlier she was like, I don't want to end up stuck in a marriage like my mother. I think I think her thing is she like she likes the 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 chase, but not the actual like yeah committing to a single person. And also, it doesn't hurt that her image of Rain is weird toad man. Yeah, <laughs> right. She reminds me of I had this um, friend in middle school, and she would like be infatuated with someone, but then as soon as they showed any interest back in her, she like wasn't interested anymore. <laughs> Oh, jeez. That's, that's the, like, how Malta comes across to me. Yeah. I have been thinking about the, like, dream that she shared with Rain so much. Just because I'm like, oh my god, like, why would she want to be kidnapped? And then I was listening to an ancient Greek podcast, like, about, like, the myths and stuff. And it, like, the dream that she shared with Rain reminded me so much of Persephone being abducted by Hades. Oh, that's a good comparison. And like, I never, it never clicked until I was listening to that. And I'm like, oh my God, like, this is very similar. Mm-hmm. And I think Stephanie and Hades have like the most stable, healthy relationship of all the Greek gods. So it's kind of fitting that Malta would have that because their relationship is probably the best one that comes out of this trilogy. Yep. Though I will say, okay, I'm really glad that they introduced Rain's sister in Rainwilds and let her, like, have a romance. Because it really feels like a cop-out to be like, the Rainwilders are, like, deformed and have serious uh, defects. And except Rain, who's hot, he, he he's just scaled. And it's like, right. I... I I feel like there's some not great messaging in here. So like I like Rain's sister is like the, I feel like Hobbs like take two. Actually, you can still find love. Yeah. Yeah, it is we and Rain's like old for Rain Wilder too. So it's mm -hmm. I wonder if he didn't progress as much in terms of like being deformed for lack of a better word um because he had that relationship with Tintaglia it's definitely that's at least what I always thought of like the reasoning why I think there's a throwaway line where like Tintaglia is like yeah I've been talking with you and like shaping your progress or something yeah that makes sense I still am baffled that Selden is like not at all in this book. Like, where is this boy? Who's taking care of him? Can somebody please just confirm that he is being taken care of and not neglected because of Malta? I think he's probably definitely being neglected because Ronica never even knows where he is. <laughs> yeah, she worries about it for like one second and then is like, eh, whatever, it's fine. It's not right. even like he's not important. He's just literally never there. Not there. <laughs> Gone. You would think that, like, Hob would be like, Malta walked into the room and Selden was playing with the toy in the corner. 
Or something like that, you know? Yeah, like, he's mentioned, like, twice in the beginning of the book, and then he's never... And then there's that one point where Ronica's like, I don't even know where Selden is. <laughs> yeah, neither do we, Ronica. <laughs> like, I, this, it's probably a concession to, like, how many characters there are. She's just like, and this one isn't that important for now. We can just forget about him, but... Poor Selden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Selden does, does not get to live a life. He's like neglected, and as soon as he stops being neglected, he becomes like a dragon's plaything. Yeah. And then he gets kidnapped. Yeah. At least he, he gets his happy. He gets his happy ending. He finds somebody to love and becomes uh, like what do you call it? Uh, regent of Chalset, I guess. But yeah, I think that was... I didn't really have anything specific to say about this chapter other than that. Yeah, that's all I had, too. Cool. Well, we get a brief break from the chaos of Vivacia to something a little bit more happy um, in uh, Chapter 34, Restorations. So this chapter has two major scenes. One is Althea is uh, her secret of being a woman is betrayed by Ophelia to the Taniras. But the Taniras are like, actually, let's do this thing right. You can, we're going to give you the chance that you need um, to show yourself as a competent sailor. Um, and then on the other hand, we get a show of Brashen, who recalls a time where he, as a youth, was captured by pirate and like worked as a pirate. Um, and it seems like his lot in life is not going so hot. He has stable employment, but it's not one that he's really enjoying or likes, and he's falling back into some of his old vices. I think he's in the throes of his old vices. He's not falling back. He's fully in it. Mm -hmm. And I still hate that he uses Sindon. Like, he needs to cut that shit out right now. The line where it's like, oh yeah, or what, what Weasel never had Sindon this good. And yeah. it's like, no, Brashen. They really took this chapter from, like, sweet and were, like, bitter? Bitter? And mm -hmm. you, happiness can't last? Can't, can't let you, can't let you uh, end this book on a happy note. We, we gotta screw over Brashen uh, if we give Althea good things. Equivalent exchange. Yeah, Brashen does start out having a really good life, and then it just gets worse for him. Mm -hmm. For now. Don't get me wrong, I love seeing good things happen to Althea. She deserves it after all the shit she was put through. Definitely. I do think that it was interesting, though, that they, like, it's the section of her like becoming mate aboard Ophelia and then the next section is Brashen talking about how like sometimes you need to throw hands to like prove that you're the mate and like that you know what you're doing. So it's almost like he's giving her advice, but like obviously she can't get the advice, but you know what I mean. Right. Which this makes part... sense given like oh sorry. Brashen oh. would always do that when they were together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um I remember like 
I felt a little bit this way on this read too, but on the first read, I felt frustrated by this part because I was like, bitch, if you would have just gone to your trader friends right away and explained the situation, like they're obviously very willing to help you. You could have avoided every bad thing that happened in this whole book because the ten like Tanira's would have let you be mate right away on Ophelia and then helped you get your ship back. Fair, but also they're not really like her friends because Althea is like she's like she she danced with this dude like a few years ago and that's like her connection to them. Yeah. They're just really nice people. And she did say, like, at the beginning of this book that she, like, doesn't have any friends or, like, know anybody really well, like, well enough to go to them for help um, back in Bingtown because she's been gone with her father the whole time. So, like, she doesn't think that there's anyone that would be on her side. That's fair. And I guess if you're, like, betrayed relentlessly by your own family, you would probably start to lose faith that anyone would be willing to help you. Yeah. And like the team, even with all the help that Tenerius give, they're like, just don't get us involved in politics. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's it's not like a it's not a long read from Althea that like people wouldn't want to get involved in like the type of restorative justice that Althea wanted at first, which is let's take this to the council and I'll get my ship back. Right. Also, speaking of the Tanira's, like, why the fuck do they pull that, like, it's just a prank, bro, on, on Althea, like... I know. I felt bad for her, that part. That honestly felt like that was just for the readers. That was just to make us be like, oh, not another bad thing happening to Althea. Right, the anticipation. They probably also wanted to, like, get back at her for, like tricking them so they're like let's make her sweat it out a little bit and then give her this release because like she did trick them mm -hmm. and they're guys they probably want to do stuff like that and i'm sure it was like part of ophelia's plan she's like it'll add drama we have to do this ophelia is my favorite live show same I do love her. He's just so, like, bombastic. Yep. Yeah, my last note for this chapter was just, like, the Brashen being captured and made to be a pirate at a young age gave me, like, big Kenneth parallel vibes. And I was yes. wondering if there was other instances of that because it's not something i ever tracked on a first read but would be neat to see i thought of that when i was reading this too because he even has like that part that's referenced in the beginning where that one guy like molested him mm. and then like who knows what happened to him when he was being weasel you know yeah but he instead and he comes of, from like, a traitor family just yeah. yeah, but he took a different path than Kenneth because he didn't get basically forged, mm -hmm. and he probably wasn't like 
I mean, Igrat literally murdered Kennet. Doesn't Kennet die at one point and Paragon, like, brings yeah. it back to life? Yeah. yeah. So, like, obviously, Brashen didn't have it that bad. <laughs> but there's definitely some parallels. Which is interesting because I don't think Brashen and Kennet ever meet or interact in the entire series. I think, I think Brashen is on Paragon when Kennet goes in him to die, but that's the only time that they are like even remotely close, I think. Kennet knows enough to like tell Althea that Brashen's dead, but I don't think they ever like. Like, I think they're just fighting on two different ships. They're not like communicating, you know? Is there anything else for this chapter? No, I feel like these chapters are going by so fast. I know, I did not have very many notes for the end of the book, because I don't have very many notes when shit is happening. Yeah, everything was going by very quickly in this, like, whole section we had to read, I think. Right. Yeah, I think the densest chapter is probably the next one, and even that was pretty fast, so... Pirates and Captives is the aftermath of the Storm and Slave Rebellion. Um, Kenneth has boarded and taken over Vivacia, um, and then Kenneth and Wintrow basically get into a standoff over uh, keeping Kyle alive uh, in exchange for Wintrow saving Kenneth. Um, and Kenneth pledges to win Vivacia over through his sweet, sweet words. <laughs> and I think and that's he just... basically does it almost. Yeah. yeah, okay. You know, my first note is I think that's I think that's fucking stupid plot convenience because like Vivacia falls for Kenneth like so quickly. And this is like less this is like less than twelve hours after she was traumatized by like the death of like several people. It just feels like so like weirdly out of place yeah also the first person who's like making it seem like she has a choice in anything yeah that's, that's i like i kind of felt the opposite because now that you point out like how soon it is after that trauma i can see your point but like as i was reading it i was like literally no one has been nice to her since she quickened because like in her eyes althea abandoned her mm-hmm. wintro is like there but doesn't want to be there and is like pretty mean to her sometimes and like i guess gantry's kind of nice to her but he's still really dismissive of her and then kyle just treats her like shit mm-hmm. so kennett comes along and is like actually being nice and actually giving her choices and options and treating her like something other than like a lump of wood so it's to me it kind of felt like no wonder like if you looked at like an abused child and everyone had always been mean to it the second someone like offers them candy they're gonna be like oh you're my friend okay actually that's fair that's fair i think it was more just like the framing of it as being like oh man uh 
he was like he he was calling her like uh, he's like I'm gonna win you over like I don't know the, the the romantic framing of it made me feel a little bit more sus of it but I think that it makes more sense when thinking about it. It just feels yeah it just feels weird for like that to develop so. Quickly. Yeah, I also remember the first time I read it being like this is really weird that he's flirting with a ship. <laughs> I was more pissed that Vivacia was like excited and happy about it i was like more upset that i'm like you need to be with wintro like you guys are a team why are you like basically betraying him by going with kenneth like you can't do this and now i totally say i'm like of course she would because like wintro's been kind of a shit to her the whole time and kenneth comes on and he's like making such a big effort to win her over already and he's like this is just the beginning like i will court you until you're mine yep Winter, yeah, Wintrell literally ran away from her, and, th- and this and Kenneth's like, "I'm going to do anything I can to stay by your side." One thing I thought was interesting <coughs> that I didn't really notice the first time is um, when Wintrell is like announcing himself to the pirates. He says, "I'm Wintrell Vestret," instead of saying Wintrell Haven. Um, and, like, I'm assuming he does that so that he can use a traitor name to show that, like, the ship is his, but, like, it has the insinuation that he aligns himself more with the Vestrits, but he really doesn't have a good relationship with any of the Vestrits either, because he's been away. Like, he doesn't really know any of them. He doesn't have, like family ties really which is kind of sad yeah i think it's also because like he's completely disowned his father at this point like there's the whole like extended thing where he's healing his father and he's like i fucking hate this i wish i was i wish i didn't i had no connection to this man whatsoever yep it was like also speaking of that scene i think it's really interesting that kyle keeps repeating to Wintrow that's like that he chose this that like Wintrow chose the path that they were set on because I think that like like a lot of things Kyle says it's easy to dismiss because he's Kyle but to an uh, extent he's right yeah to an extent he's right in because like Wintrow's like his whole problem that these chapters is ignoring or underplaying his own agency or role in things and it's like nobody you chose to bring gantry down there and give sadar the choice to do this you chose to take command of Ivasha and save it like you are shaping events even if you want to believe that you're just being carried along by the current mm-hmm. so like get used to it and also how have we not talked about uh the the whole like pa- like parallel between Igrod Kenneth Kenneth Windrow thing that happens here. Oh yeah, um, it's basically just like Kenneth starting to get hard eyes already for Windrow. Yeah, gotch. But but Windrow also feels it too, like, which yeah. is very well, well not feel not feels the hard eyes, but like there's some no. sort of like. There's something drawing them together. Yeah, there's like this 
fate thing. And honestly, on the first read, I tried to track what is going on, and I and at the end, I was like, I have no fucking clue why. Well, what like the fate point of bringing these two together is. So I'm hoping on a reread, it'll be like clear. Other than like Wintrow healing Kenneth, but like it feels, it felt like they were building up to like this momentous thing, and then it just kind of didn't. Nothing happened. Kind of part of like Wintrow's, like being a catalyst. And Kenneth having this like luck in his life. And so he has the vision and Wintrow has the ability. So it's kind of like Fitz and the Fool. Except Kenneth doesn't have the foresight. He just has this like knowing that like I'm going to get what I want. Mm -hmm. And like somehow Wintrow will help me get there. Yeah, that scans. I felt that way about his little pirate charm thing. I was like, I kept expecting more of an explanation or like a glimpse into its motivations. Like, how does it know that Etta should get pregnant and then like raise the next king of the pirate isles? Like, how does it know to do that? It's, there's a lot of stuff which I feel like is hand waved by fate or luck in this trilogy that i'm yeah. really hoping i can find a more like subtle Con explanation for right because we're so used to reading pop where nothing happens by accident like everything has a purpose or a reason or a motivation so then it's kind of hard at least for me to accept when it's like luck See, and, like, I would be cool with, like, I'm cool with, like, luck or whatever in situations where, like, we're not, like, told by, like, proxies for the author that, like, stuff is important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, then it starts to feel, like, a little weird. Like, I'm, like, I think Malta and Rain Story, that's why Malta and Rain Story is my favorite of the whole thing. Because, like, I think it encapsulates the whole thing of, like, people ending up not where they wanted to be, but where they, but need to still be. somewhere that they need to be. Without, like, like all of the stuff about, like, where they, of their fate or whatever, it's all in their head. It's not, like, something that's, like, told to us by a narrator at some point. So it feels like... Yeah. 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 I think the struggle for me with the charm is it kind of feels like a plot device. Like, I kind of feel like what's its purpose other than... It's there, and it offers suggestions that, like, drive the plot. He has no other point or meaning. So it's hard. I don't know. Maybe I'll feel different about it by the time I get to the end of this. I want to reread, but... Like, yeah, speaking of, like, move, like just being a plot device, it li it's literally the one that instigates here, where it's like, mm -hmm. Hey, by the way, remember this line that Egrot said to you? Yeah, pretty crazy, right? I'm going to say it back now. Yep. Well, I think it tells us things that Kenneth won't think about himself. Like, it forces Kenneth to confront things when yeah. he doesn't want to. It's sort of like the unforged part of Kenneth, like, railing against the forged part of him. Yeah. 
But then how does it even happen? Because, like, then that raises, like, bigger questions about the implications of the charm. Because, like, how is it grabbing parts of him that aren't, like, as much there because of the forging? Because right? those, those parts of him should be in Paragon, from what we know. Isn't it? Like, I think Fitz explains it. Like, the memories and everything are still there, but you just, the feelings that are attached to them aren't. Like, the feelings are what go into, like, whatever, like, skill stone or whatever it is. But so the, the, the idea that, like, the dragon state. has the emotional framework to, like, work through those memories? I guess, actually, that makes sense. I think so. Mm -hmm. That scans, okay. I think my last note for this chapter is just uh, Wintrow's talking about Kenneth's likelihood of survival, and he's like, but if he gave it up, all the skill in the world would not prevail against the spreading infection. And I'm like, interesting word choice, Wintrow. <laughs> <laughs> You like clung on skill stuff, and I was like, I honed in on all of the wit things. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a line about the slaves, and Wintrow's seeing them, and he says, humanity had been stolen from them. It would take them time to regain it. And that reminded me so much of the Forged Ones, except the Forged Ones never got to regain their humanity, which was really sad, actually. Some of them did when the... Um... Didn't they, like... When they destroyed the stone dragon. Destroy yeah. the stone... Like, the stone things that the... White ships were doing, and then some people got their emotions back or whatever. Yeah. That Was that in the last trilogy, or was that in Tawny Man? That was in Tawny Man, because they destroy... Uh, oh. it's a stone dragon, and then that yeah. stone dragon gets destroyed. But, like... I think most of the people who were forged in the six duchies were probably dead by that point. Definitely. Yeah. They definitely so it was just it was just some of the recently forged people in the Out Islands. In the Out Islands. Because like yeah, because doesn't doesn't like Eliana's mom get her? Yeah, her like, mom and her sister are both forged. Yeah, but it doesn't give back people that, like, went into the dragon totally, because Keeble Robred is, like, forced into it, and he doesn't, like, rematerialize. He's just dead. Yeah, I guess I feel like he's that's one kind of skidding. That, like, makes sense. I love his name. It's so weird. Yeah, it is. When my dog's being naughty, I call him Keeble Rob Red sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's funny. Honestly, Keeble Rob Red feels like a pirate name. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. They really had like... Okay, this is... I thought of this adjective independent of his actual name, but like, it feels like they gave him such a raw name but like he gets to he he's he he only gets to show up for like two pages mm -hmm. as like a withered husk. Yeah. 
Yeah, I picture him as like an angry, like wizened wizard. Yeah. Hovering mm-hmm. next to this dragon. <laughs> you can just like one of those things where you can like see the veins in their hands because it's like so sallow. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wonder if like Julia's gonna remember these names like Pale Woman and Keeble Robred by the time we actually get to Tawny Man because like Mm-hmm. I definitely did not. But she is a lot more intuitive than I was on my first read. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised. I remembered it, but only because I read uh, them back to back over like the course of a month or two. And I read Tawny Man because I was like, I need my answers from Farseer. So like, I went in with that goal. I took a break in between each because I made the mistake when I was reading Game of Thrones of like reading them all back to back. And I got like in between the fourth and fifth ones, I got really sick of like his writing style because I'd been reading so much of it. So I was like, next time I read a big series, I'm going to take breaks and read other stuff in between like each book or each whatever. So I did that with each trilogy in this one but i've never gotten sick of her writing the way i've gotten sick of like other writers no i think think the closest thing for me was the final trilogy but that's just because like it's not really sick of her writing it's just that like the pacing in that one is a lot more like taking its time yeah especially fool's assassin oh yeah Do we have any more notes for this chapter? I have a couple. They're all about Wintro because Wintro was on a freaking roll lately. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about Vevesha and he says, I do not claim to own her any more than a father can claim to own his child. And I was like, yes, Wintro, you tell him. Because Kyle definitely tries to claim ownership over all of his kids, especially Wintro, by literally like making him a slave. And still can't get him to do what he wants. And Winter, like, understands that that's not how parenthood should work. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last one is Wintro is talking about Vivesha again. And he's like, and you will see, you will soon discover that if one of us is cut, we both bleed. And that reminded me so much of the wit. Because that's exactly how it is with, like, pits and night eyes. Mm-hmm. God, there really are so many wit parallels that I mm-hmm. didn't pick up on. You're right. That's what I was like, wit, 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 wit. <laughs> I, like, even passed all the skill stuff. Mm-hmm. God, Winter really is, would be a perfect, like, fits catalyst. He's got all the qualities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except I feel like in in classic like Hob fashion, they like give him this one overarching character trait, which makes it hard to see that. Which is like he's super religious and pious, which fits absolutely isn't right. I miss Fitz and Night Eyes. I know, me too. And soon we're gonna miss uh, Night Eyes. Don't say that. I'm not ready. (laughs) Oof. Just I'm not ready. 
No, I'm not either. I was thinking about going back and rereading only the happy parts of Royal Assassin because I miss them so much. Someone asked me what my favorite book was, and I was like, well, I know what my favorite series is, and then I was trying to think of my favorite book, and I was like, right now, I think it's Assassin's Quest, because that's the only one where we get um, Fitz, the Fool, and Night Eyes, like, together for any length of time. Yeah. It's crazy, because I don't, I don't think there's any other series where I'm like, this character oriented like yeah i think that like the plots in in like realm the elderlings aren't bad but they're just sort of like there's stuff that in other books i probably would be like oh, okay whatever like i mm -hmm. guess but just the way she like builds them up through the characters makes them i'm just like yeah i'm i'm here for my children <laughs> <laughs> I do not claim to own them, but they still bring me great joy. That's what, when I'm trying to, like, describe it to other people, I'm like, well, it's about this, like, guy that's this prince's bastard, and his uncle's, like, trying to take over the kingdom, and it's like, okay, it sounds like generic fantasy plot, and I'm like, but it's, it's about the characters, like, it's so much, it's so character-driven. It's yeah. a sassy emo lost child and his funny <laughs> dog against the world. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I'm like, that's why I reread it, because I miss my friends. And then... Actually. <laughs> Which, again, I couldn't say that to anyone because I would sound just, like, off my rocker, but that's exactly it. It <laughs> that's really it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's like, oh, this is so comforting. Anyways, Fitz is getting stabbed yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go read the beginning of Assassin's Apprentice because I'm like, oh, look, like, no one's dead yet. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's true. <laughs> no one's suffered yet. Right. I mean, even from the start of Assassin's Apprentice, the, the start of Assassin's Apprentice is Fitz being like, uh, I've suffered so much. Also, my mom's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I guess not, not as much, like, grandpa or whatever. Right. He's a, it starts off with him getting abandoned. Mm -hmm. I know, poor baby. And he's like soggy and cold, like... Mm -hmm. oh, he's, he's just a little Cheerio floating in a sea of milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the cold spoon is coming to grab him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. Cold spoon of fate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, we're losing it. <laughs> yeah. We spent this entire chapter talking about books about Fitz. Not oh. about anything that happens here. <sighs> I think I was thinking a couple days ago, I'm like, I wish that Fitz and Night Eyes could have like a little cameo in these books and that like they would just show up at a shop or something because I miss them so much and it would be so great for us. But, like, there's no way that that would happen. Fitz is, like, in his cabin being a hermit right now. He could oh, be in Bingtown, because he wanders to Bingtown after... Oh, does he go to Bingtown? Yeah, he when in Tawny Man, when he's, like, telling the fool everything that he's done over the course of, like, those 15 years or however long it is, he says, like, we, we 
wandered around. Like, we went to Bingtown, and we went to, like, the Pirate Isles, and then we tried walking up the Rain Wild River, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, like, I just remember him talking about, like, walking up the Cursed Shores, so I'm like... Yeah, I just, I, I just vividly remember the story about it eating through his shoes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it eats through his boots. And Night Eyes, like, complains about his paws, so they turn around. And the fool is, like, horrified that he tried to do that. Yeah, Only kids would do something that stupid. Right. But yeah, I he mentioned that he... Big Town would, like, risk too much overlapping with Amber. But mm-hmm. I think that, like, I could totally believe him showing up in the Rain Wilds. Like... The like and we're, we're, like, we're how gonna, did you get here? Yeah. <laughs> Can I, I have some shoes? <laughs> <laughs> that would be. Yeah, I, I would love like I, the running gag of like that's a pretty big. That's a that, is that a wolf? No, just just my dog. Pretty big dog. Yep. Yeah, you know the. I, I, I guess you you guys oh. don't have big dogs in the rain wilds, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, speaking of a giant uh, piece of fauna that they do have in the Rain Wilds, let's go to chapter 36, She Who Remembers. Mm-hmm. Um, just as the book started on uh, a vignette about the serpents, we finish off with Malkin concluding that um, Vivacia is not in fact She Who Remembers and tells his tangle the story of uh, essentially, in oblique terms, how the serpents are born and then transform into dragons. My only note, because neither of you guys had a note for this chapter, so I'm like, I should write something. The <laughs> only thing that I noted down was that, you know how like there's the debate, they're like, oh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, Malkin tells us that they started off as masters, which, like, are dragons. So what came first, the dragon or the serpent? The dragons. Nobody has to wonder about it now because Malkin confirmed. Inclusively. Yes. That, that I mean, perks of having generational memory all the way back to your first... Uh, the literal beginning. Yeah. That's it, though. Mm. It's yeah, kind of hard because, like, I feel like this chapter is one of those things where, like, if we were reading this for the first time, so much speculation. But mm-hmm. we already know literally everything he's talking about, so. Yeah, and it's only, like, two pages, so. It's very short, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's I do... show of magic. Do we have any, like, book-wide comments, thoughts, things? I do feel bad for Malkin just because he starts off with a huge tangle and now he's just got like two other serpents in him. Yeah, he and he's the best one. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to, to track as he turns into Murkor because you can still some of, see some of his wisdom, but he's also a lot more of a forceful personality as Murkor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. In a similar vein to how like all the characters in live ships like go down on their luck and then good things happen, I can't wait for Malkin to like get his like super tangle back by like hanging out with all the rest of the serpents. I don't remember how it happens, but I know that he just like recruits all of them. 
Mm-hmm. Find that one serpent that Wincho releases is a she who remembers serpent. Okay. And they find her and then I think they start collecting other possibly. I don't know for sure. I don't remember yeah, I definitely know that they collect serpents after she remembers. I just don't remember if they do that over the course of the next book as well. Right. Just the last one. I have no idea. I don't really... The next book is going to go by so fast. Yeah. The next one, I think, like, on my first read, I thought that Madship was my favorite one. Like, I loved that in this trilogy, so I'm very excited to get into it. Mm-hmm. I think I'll I think agree. It's kind of like a theme with Hob books. The first book, you're still kind of, like, finding your footing. The second book, you care about the characters, and so much is happening, and pacing is off the charts. The third book starts to drag a little bit, and, like... It's just, it's just, like, paced a little slower. And then mm-hmm. everything's wrapped up in the last 30 pages. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> Every, say it, yeah. but yeah. A hob does have a <laughs> unique way of writing ending. Yeah. I almost wonder if it's because she's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave the, leave these guys. I've been with them for so long now. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine being her, like, writing the end of the last trilogy and like saying goodbye to these characters she's been with for like 20 plus years Mm. that had to have been painful yeah i was sobbing the last hundred pages until well after i'd finished the book i can't even imagine how emotional it was for her right yeah i think it's interesting because like when i do writing I feel like I'm always like playing catch up with myself in the sense of like, I have an idea and I'm impatient because I'm like, I need to get this out. But it's just like, it takes time to write out. While with like, I feel like Hob and other writers, it's it's like, no, these are just, I have endless amounts of story to tell with these characters because they're like yeah. people. A lot of, like her included, a lot of writers would be like, like, they're their own things, and I'm just telling their story. And that's not how I write at all. I write like I'm playing The Sims, where I'm like, I made you up, and I can make you do whatever I want. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. So, I am your fate. Yep. I control you. I think this is completely off base, but I think the the only book series I've read which has a convincing, like, self-insert god is Animorphs, for some reason. Because <laughs> I think, like, the self-insert god is just like, I'm just a funky little dude, and I'm here to just, like, fuck with all of y'all, and it's whatever happens, happens. Cheers. But yeah, uh, I don't have any other notes. I'm just I'm really excited for Madship because I remember some things. I remember Brashen comes home. They start they start to repair Paragon and they set sail. At the end of the book, Wintrow releases She Remembers. They fix Kenneth's leg. But I feel like that can't be all that happens in the book because there's so much like space. Right. They build up Paragon and stuff, don't they? Yeah. But that's, that's like that's what I'm looking forward to the most, I think. Mm-hmm. 
I'm nervous because I remember Paragon being like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a, a asshole about it for a while. Mm-hmm. And there's like that heartbreaking scene where they have to like drag like Amos Ludluck out to the beach to be like, Paragon, uh, we don't want you anymore. Oof. I forgot about that. Yeah. Do they meet Kenneth's mom? Like, do they go to that one island where Kenneth's mom lives? And I think that happens. Oh, I think that happens next book as well. Yeah, and he—that's yeah. when he drowns as Sadar. Yep. And his mom like doesn't have a tongue. Yeah. Oh, Did that happen because of Egrod or him? I think him. I don't remember which one. Mm-hmm. I just remember that he like is constantly condescending her and pretending not to understand her. And I was like, man, I feel so bad for his mom. But at least he gave her like an island to live on. He didn't just it's kill like, her outright. Like yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because it's still like this twisted fantasy of like, everything can be all right. I can live with my family. Mm-hmm. Like he, he condescends to his mom, but it's obvious like he cares about her so much. Just like it he just her, like, he's incapable of caring. Him. He's incapable right. of caring for people in a normal way anymore. Right. I think that was the most shocking part of the book when I first read it. Mom? Yeah. I no, I have no idea what it was like because we get so little about Kenneth's like history and all of a sudden it's like bam 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 here's his island here's here's his mom there's a mansion here and like there's so much to take in and you get like a lot of like little egrot flashbacks all at once there Mm -hmm. i'm not looking forward to the way that kenneth thinks about wintro kenneth gets much it's gross I'm not looking forward to the way that Kenneth thinks about Wintrow and Etta as a unit. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to the way that Kenneth thinks, period. <laughs> yes, I like that sentence. Same, yeah. Yeah, that long gap of silence uh, makes me think that we're, <laughs> we're all done, done here. So we have more to say. Thanks everyone for uh, for staying with us throughout this entire book. Um, we're going to be taking a little break, and then we'll be back for uh, Madship. Or this might be simultaneous because we still have actually a backlog of episodes. So maybe our break is just us releasing all those episodes, and then we'll be back. <laughs> It's a break for us, but it's not for you guys. <laughs> yeah. So, the, and uh, exact details of of the live show will go up sometime after we post this. So, uh, keep an eye out for that. But until then, thanks for watching. See y'all. Bye.